All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we we have the inestimable pleasure of having a chance to speak to some of the team from the Private Affairs Podcast. And uh, uh, thanks to a request made specifically by Garikai, he would like us to get into the proper intro for the podcast. So, Phil, Christine, Garikai, I have to ask y'all, are y'all good to go? Sound of the Let's do it. <laughs> Let me hear a drum play. Even on a Saturday, we don't come to the studio. We don't record for the madam now. Right. Welcome, welcome to a special interview. <laughs> right here on Two Bro Twimble, your favorite podcast. My name is Danny that guy, aka Denias, aka etc. etc. We already did this at the beginning of the podcast. We won't do it again. But welcome to a special interview. We are speaking to the team from Private Affairs, the podcast. We've got Christine, the creator, writer, producer, director, grandmaster, grand pooba (laughs) of Private Affairs. Uh, The the person with the twisted mind that put all of this together. Yes. We need to examine that. (laughs) What's going on? And we've also got my mans who plays the, the... the villainous. Is he villainous? I don't know. Is he? Oh, we'll get into it. He plays Tonde. And I didn't realize, but you also play PJ. That's villainous. <laughs> it depends yeah. on you. It depends on your view. So uh, yeah. his name's Garkai Jani. <laughs> so we're going to get into that. Thank you very much for joining us. And of course, Phil is here as well. What up, Phil? Anyway. Um... <laughs> Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for being here. We've been very excited to talk about Private Affairs, the podcast. I, I, I really wish, you know who I really wanted in this podcast? Because I've got some words. I really wanted, I wanted Taff and I wanted Luke. But look. Mm, oh, you wanted both of them. Yeah, you wanted yeah. both of them. Okay. I, want, I, I, okay, have, wait. I have some issues. Which team into. are you? Which team are which you team on? Who are you writing for, bro? Who are you, who are you, who are you right or dying with? Nah, who are you shipping? Don't, nah, don't make me say, uh, don't make me say, listen. I have issues with the white man, so I refuse to say or to express my support. <laughs> mm. Mm. How's your uncle doing, by the way, Dan? <laughs> so, um, we've been talking about Private Affairs, the podcast, for a while now. Um, and we've been directing your way towards them. Now that season two is done, uh, we have a chance to actually break it down and speak about it a little bit. And this is quite exciting for us. Uh, so, as I mentioned, we have the creator... Uh, the writer, director, producer of the podcast, Christine Kicks Mwaturura. And we've got one of the cast members uh, who plays uh, two of the cast, actually, but uh, I think mainly known for Tonde. His name's Garikai Jani. Thanks very much for being here. Uh, and we are going to spend a bit of time just discussing our own views. Uh, I actually listened. I heard you guys talking with uh, the ladies from It's Layered. Oh, okay. That was quick, mm. fast, eh? Yeah, I haven't finished it. Is it yet. out yet? Mm. It, it just yeah. it dropped yeah. last night. It dropped yesterday. Yeah. So, no, that's, 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 that's the family lamb. That's the family lamb. E, that's the fam bam. Yeah. The fam bam. So I haven't finished it yet, but I remember as I was listening, I was like, Mm-mm, there needs to be some men in here because there's clearly some, <laughs> there's some issues <laughs> here that are not being addressed. <laughs> okay, come at me. Come at me. What, what issues in particular? Views. Because I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good perspectives, to be honest. And there is a male towards halfway. 
with doctor of that course, he's a professional. He's not going to give you the real thing. He's going to tell you what the textbook and what the, the medical board wants. We are speaking about what's on the ground. On the ground. ground. The toxicity on the ground. Okay, yeah. So, so um, let me take this opportunity to say, if you have not yet listened to Private Affairs, um, use the timestamps in the bottom to skip forward so that you don't get spoilers because we are going to be talking about some some major talking points from the show. And go, go and listen to it. Go listen to season one and season mm. two. And then and then come back and Support. listen to this discussion. But um, uh, I don't know, Phil, if there's specific issues that you wanted to discuss. But I think the first place I want to start is, and I had this conversation with my wife actually. It's I felt like it was pretty clear that the show uh, the show was written by a woman, and I'll, let me explain why. Because okay. the fact that um, Marty got involved in shall we say some extracurricular affairs was kind of a like oh yeah i mean yeah that's kind of messed up yeah she shouldn't have done that but anyway meanwhile <laughs> i'm like no what but 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 dan dan you don't understand her emotional needs are not being met she's not being listened to okay she's trying to express like her insecurities and her hurt she was just being Thank used you, okay as a baby factory my brother Huh? A baby slash dinner making factory. Where were her needs being met? She couldn't even go on holiday and enjoy herself without this man humiliating her in public. You know what I'm saying, my brother? We've got to think about our queens. How are we protecting the black woman? Okay. And sometimes our queens, they need some in their life. You know what I mean? So if they're not getting that mm, in the life from Mm, they gotta go somewhere, my brother. We have needs as primal beings, my brother. Okay, this is evolution here. Science, do the maths, stay woke. Mm. But I'm actually I'm interested in in what you were saying, Dan, about okay. like it 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 seemed to you from your vantage point that people being soft on Mati. That's not the feedback I was getting. So people okay. seemed very upset with Mati. So. Episode one, we had the Thailand situation with the drink. People were team Mati. Come episode four, it seemed like the tide had shifted. So, okay, I, I have a to lot. say there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of, I guess, recency bias in my case because I just got married and I'm imagining that situation in my own life. So, mm. wait, which one? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Which one? Let me, let me, let me, let me try and explain. The okay, infidelity. So, so the storyline with Mati and, and uh, yourself, um, <laughs> Mati and Tonde are in this marriage where they clearly have different goals and different desires. Tonde is, mm-hmm. I guess, very traditional, very, hey, you get married, you pump out some children, traditional mm-hmm. family vibes, plus there's pressure from the external family, right? I, 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 I picture that. Mati doesn't feel the same way. She feels like, yeah, maybe at one point we spoke about having kids, but I don't, is that what I really want? Mm-hmm. Maybe she hasn't, she hasn't felt the ability to be, to be able to freely express that or even to, to frame it exactly what she wants in her head. She's just in the space where I don't know. Mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. it feels like Tonde is not listening. That's a whole discussion. And I am, I am, I'm very sympathetic towards her that, damn, it must suck to not be able to speak very freely and openly with your husband. You know what I mean? So here you are trying for kids, but you don't actually want kids. And now you're conflicted. It must be such a difficult situation. But I've used this analogy before on the podcast. If you are walking down the street and someone slaps you out of nowhere, that's messed up. That's wrong. In fact, Mm -hmm. that's assault. You should be arrested. But if Mm -hmm. the response Mm -hmm. is, 
you then pulled out a gun and shot the person in the head and then shot the the kid they were walking with in the head that initial i'm 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 not equating these things i'm just trying to express the difference between something wrong and then something like the response to that is like 10 mm-hmm. times worse where are you taking so now, this so now that initial this wrong thing is no longer in the conversation in my opinion because now we're discussing you went and shot and killed someone yes the person shouldn't have slapped you but you went and shot and killed someone and i feel like to me this is a similar situation where okay here's a situation where tonde is just not he's not listening he's not paying attention to his wife and that's messed up and we need to discuss that but you then went mm-hmm. and and you know essentially slept with someone else and he also publicly oh. humiliated her true uh, which is terrible but then now i can't i can't then say there's two equal things that happened ah oh, you didn't listen to her mm-hmm. and you publicly humiliated her and then you went and slept with someone no, else. And but, to me, but, in my mind, that's so a huge jokes deal aside, people who just got married. So, so that's why, to jo- me, jokes I, aside, I don't, I don't easily. I'm not saying the same. Yes, Phil. Sorry, you've been, you've been dying mm. to jump in. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm not. I, I, jokes aside, I'm not saying they're the same. But I'm saying this cause and effect. Um, and you know, Dan, I think we've had these discussions off here. Like we, when we see other people in relationships or even our relationships, we start realizing, yo, certain things lead to certain things. If someone's emotional needs aren't being met and they're commu- trying to communicate and those needs aren't being met, if they, if they don't have the tools to like, oh, you go to therapy or say, hey, we need to check in. Or it gets to a point where you're like, Sha, I've tried. This person isn't listening. What, what's going to happen? I mean, we, we were joking, yeah. but remember that, that conversation we're having where I was like, Sha, fam, the amount of inappropriate texts that we, we get these days, and we know why, is because a lot of, and it's, it's, and it's, it's not uncommon, especially in Zim, like a lot of, we, a lot of people that we know, a lot of women that we know got married young before they realized or, or had a better understanding of themselves. Same exact, similar situation where the moment they got married, the guy defaulted <laughs> to Zimbabwean traditionalism or he's going out, he's not taking care of the emotional needs. And then they start seeking that attention. Sometimes it's even just flirting. And I remember years ago, like, there was a married woman who was flirting with him. I was like, yo, aren't you married? And she's like, oh, he doesn't know. And I was like, man, please don't do this. And when we have these conversations as men, you'll be surprised how many of that, how, how common that is. And obviously, this is anecdotal information. But I think, as Dan correctly says, it's wrong. But I can, I can yes. see the rationale behind it. But then I can also see it's almost, there's almost like, um, it's also now become like a, a societal norm. To, to a certain degree where okay we have to maintain the the marriage for public appearances for culture for our families etc etc but okay i know he might not be faithful to me so why am i being faithful to him so then now it's just and it's it's more common than we realize i mean ad- adultery is not a new concept that that's a that's a whole different conversation, Phil. Yeah. And and you're you're making assumptions that don't exist. Yes, sorry, Christine, go ahead. Can I just interject? So I'm not saying that what Mati did was right or the correct response to the whole situation. Um, I think like I was I was telling Gary and all the other actors that in this season, every character has low points. People are complex. We are not good all the time and we're not bad all the time. So I think uh, particularly with the Mati Twende storyline, I think more will be revealed in season three as to mm, how spoilers. we actually got to this oh. place. We- exclusive, exclusive, <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> let's, let's hear, Christine, what's coming up? 
Well, no, I'm not going to say what's coming up because like, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, like I, I know some of their backstory and like uh, the reason why they say certain things, even in that fight scene in episode four, like, you know, when he's, um, what does he say? Like, you know, he says, what am I going to tell my parents, Mati? Mm-hmm. And then he says, you know, this, you know, um, this is the problem with you modern women. She goes, well, you won't complain about a modern woman when I helped you pay for your masters. Mm-hmm. Oh, now you want to bring that up. You're the one bringing up money, you know. Mm-hmm. If you want to calculate who sacrificed the most for this relationship, let's calculate. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of like get more into, into that. What has been sacrificed? That's all I can say. Can I just ask, on, at, at, mm-hmm. at this point, right, I want to ask a question because I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. We get to, to meet Tonde season two, going to Thailand. But there's this buildup of Tonde through the narrative of everyone else. You don't actually get to hear from him directly or interact with him or be an audience with him until season two. pretty much. And for me, the introduction, what I find interesting here is if you look at Tonde in his core, you know, I'm someone who traditional or I'm someone who's reserved or I'm someone who whatever your your labels may be. Remember the whole time before that, how many times is dude saying, chick, you're embarrassing. Chick, stop doing that. Chick, you know, like how many boundaries are being pushed here? Can I ask? Because it's, it's quite interesting how the climax is. Everyone just sees the, are you through a drink in her face? I'm not justifying. So I'm just asking like the journey to get to that point about not mm. being heard, not being seen, mm. not being acknowledged. And that's what we're talking about here. So you know, it's yeah, interesting yeah. how the narrative in this part here has been very much, oh, the climax. But there's a whole journey to get to that point where yeah. dude's like, oh, y'all just having a good time, but this is my wife. This is, mm-hmm. you know, for you, person on the tabletops having a good time, ah, it's dope, but this, mm. this is my person. And another thing I'll give just quickly. I had a situation where I love what Christine said is the reason why I love the way this is written is I believe we're all flawed individuals and by no exception, because we come from a place where it's the norm for shit to happen, where there's other children, you know, there's bad relationships, alcoholics, there's depression, but we're not taught to deal with that. Right. So I had a situation once with my dad, um, with him and other kids and blah, blah, blah. And then he said to me, I was like, yeah, like, okay, how old are you? you know, that time it must've been like, maybe, I don't know, like we'll say early thirties. He was like, your mom and I have been together since before your, your, your old sister was born. So we have at least in the bag is I think they're close to 70 now, 68, some of that. They're like, we've got mileage of at least 45 strong here of knowing each other. You've only got these 30 years that you're, <laughs> that you're seeing this situation from, and you want to give your views and your opinions. And just remember, bro, like Christine was saying, we don't talk about sacrifices. There's a whole other bag that you are not aware of. So I'm just, I just wanted to throw that out there because, you know, when people look at characters and looking at certain moments, it's good to be in that moment. Mm. But there's a journey. But I think that's what makes it, it exciting. Yeah. Context matters. Anyway. Yeah. I, I just mm. want to add to what so, Kaka is saying. And, and I think, um, it's, it's, it's actually really, it's really profound the way I think it's pretty cool how you did it, Christine, that, all we all we just heard about Tornde. So all of us had like our own like uh, um, expectations of what kind of person he is and whatever based on what other people are saying. But what we never saw was what are Tornde and Mati like when it's just the two of them. 
And that has happened for years before. And, and it's not just the two of them in the sense of, oh, they went on a date. They've been married. So they have the highs and the lows together. They have the worst of the worst and the best of the best together. And all that context exists outside of everyone else's perception. They don't see it. They don't even know it exists. All they see is what, what they're yeah. told or the, that particular fight that happened and so on. So there's a lot of context yeah. behind. So Tonde is, uh, what do they call that phenomenon where, where at some point you realize that every person you walk past has a whole life uh, around them that you are not aware of. They're, and, you know, in that moment, you're only aware of them walking past you in whatever clothes they're wearing and whatever facial expression they have. But they also have their hopes and dreams and their friends and their na-na-na. They're the main character of their own story. And in this, in this particular situation, we're viewing, or so far we've been viewing the podcast through the eyes mainly of V. So mm-hmm. our perception of Tonde so far has been it's her cousin's husband. Yeah. Meanwhile, Tonde has his own rich life, his whole experience, his own you know, traumas and happinesses and goals and aspirations. And we are only seeing just that, that, that uh, little sl- snippet or, or sliver of it. And then now all of a sudden we actually have some of his perspective. And now we have strong opinions, mm-hmm. which is, is natural for being a human. We all have opinions based on what we see and we can only build on what we see. But I, I think it's such a lesson that especially, especially with married people, there's so much context that we cannot see and we will probably never see or even understand, even if we could see. Um, and that's, I think that's very valid. And I, I'm somewhat sympathetic towards him. Yes, he's maybe not paying attention to Marty, as we've discussed. But yo, I mean... So, I, I think to, to jump in, so Gary, I was going to say is... Uh, I was going to say, like, Gary... If you listen to our latest episode, actually, we actually covered this. And the main topic there was boundaries. And the, the main thing with boundaries there is once you set a boundary, if you let it slide, people are going to continue to push against that boundary until you're at a point where you have to take these in, in, or ridiculous or what people on the outside might seem as, yo, like that response didn't warrant the action. You know what I mean? Like, wait a minute. She was just dancing on a table. Why did you flip out this way? So yeah. if his... If you've been dating someone, I don't think that's the first time you've gone out. So there, there's obviously been a conversation. They're like, hey, babe, I, 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 I have these ideas. I have these views. I would appreciate it if my woman was not the type of person to dance on tables. That conversation has probably been had before. And, but I would be surprised if it wasn't because, because I, I think that would be a common thing. And then now you've pushed back on it. So clearly you set a boundary. It wasn't adhered to. And now you think throwing a drink is, is the appropriate response. When all you had to do was stick to your boundary. And that's the, that's the problem. Like if you, if you set a boundary and you let someone break it, it's no longer a boundary. It's a suggestion. And that's one of the things that I've learned, not only in life, but also like in therapy. Like you have to be almost militant to a point where you're like, yo, please don't dance on tables. Well, like, don't do this because then you're going to, and as Dan said, there's, there's going to be so much baggage that then weighs into it where if you're only seeing it in snapshots, it's going to seem extreme, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah, I think um, the topic of fertility um, and having issues conceiving, that is a very weighty topic, um, which, you know, because I get, people send me DMs, right? And people are, 
quite open about their own situations, which, you know, I feel very honored that they would share that with me. Um, but yeah, it really has touched a nerve with people, especially if you've been trying for a while and you're not getting results. That can really bring about a lot of emotions and reactions and who is being blamed for what is happening. So yeah, so there's a lot of like, yeah, there's a lot going on in the background. And then we only see the, the, that moment in the club and you're like, what the hell is going on? You know what I mean? But also Mm -hmm. I wanted to say, I think also what's happening and this happens with the, character Taff and with Luke as well is that I think people the way people feel strongly about uh, some of these characters I think it's because they're thinking about people in their own lives who represent like those characters represent those people in their own lives so whatever emotions they have they then attach them to those characters because yeah it's very particularly with Mm. Taff and Luke it's very I did did want to I actually did want to uh, pivot to another storyline so uh, um the the Taff mm. friend of V for many years, but recently we're discovering that he's obviously got like little latent feelings that are now beginning to manifest. And you can see it in the way that he describes Luke. And then eventually he actually ex- expresses how he feels in, in these unanswered um, uh, voice messages. And clearly there's some weirdness going on because V doesn't delete it. V keeps it and V keeps listening to it later on. And it's probably not something that she knows consciously or she's said out loud even to herself, but there's something weird going on there. And I think that's such a, it's it's a very, I don't know if the word is relatable storyline because Phil and I actually discussed this in the previous episode where we spoke about people who are just friends. And then the moment that line is crossed or the moment someone says something yeah. or the moment someone even implies something it's almost impossible to go back to just being friends, right? It's like, it's like that, that invisible barrier has now just been shattered. So you can pretend to continue being friends, but it's no longer going to work. And uh, we, we discussed in that time that we've both, we've both experienced similar situations where, I mean, we're just friends. What are you talking about? And then one day someone says something or does something. And I think that's such an interesting storyline because mm. I would argue that you know you just decide not to. Like, you know, if someone has feelings for you and you guys are close friends, meaning you hang out very regularly, you know, they said something off. They've sat a little too close. And I think like... No, but so, guys... But, so what difference does it make though? Uh, but, but my question is, what I difference just, does it make? Oh, what difference does it make? Well, I was just going to say, for me, speaking Christine, right? Not as writer Christine, ah, but no guarantee Varo with these things. Chris, you know so what? If, if you I follow, if you follow Anna threads on Twitter and whatever, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, every real. couple of weeks, there's always just text your friends right now and say, uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, I, I want just one night with you or something and then just see what their response is. And then people are always like, and I, I mean, obviously that's all. Olon is the devil, by the way. That. But my point is, and the, and the reason I've been thinking about it a lot recently is I, I just got married, but I have friends that are women, right? And obviously I have to set boundaries about how close can we be as friends and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But if I were to sit and really think about it, of all the friends that I have, are there any who, 
have latent weird feelings. I'm very quick to defensively say, no, those are my friends. But if I'm going to be honest with myself and I sit for a while, I think I could say, I don't know, that one acts a little bit funny sometimes. And, that, and if I have that suspicion or if I have that thought, how do I react to it? And this, this, this storyline of Taff and, and uh, V is very interesting to me because now he sends this voice note where he actually expresses these feelings and she doesn't delete it. She keeps it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, now you're missing a crucial point, Dan. Not only is he expressing feelings, he's dirty Mac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two very different things. No, no, I feel <laughs> no respect for people who dirty Mac. The question, like even but even even in that context, right? You in that context, right? If you take a step back, are we as people living in our own truths or society's truth? Because mm. the thing is, the reason I ask that, right, is a lot of these issues or a lot of these topics that we cover. Like when we were talking last week, I said, my, my issue with being Tunde is people don't realize that there's so much noise going in my head internally that all the external noise won't let me get to the internal. So when do I actually process it? So then there's the society truth and there's my truth. When do I actually get to deal with each one individually? When do I get the space? I'm just speaking, you know, just context of just me as Tunde. But if we just extrapolate that, we pull that out just in normal life. How many people live their truth as compared to society's truth? Like, you know, people's expectations, views, and this. If you walked in your in, in your true presence, how much how much would that stir in your everyday life? Like if you were to be, I would I would guess without even knowing any of you, there's a lot that we all hold here in a conversation that we don't really express. It's like, nah, if I really say that or blah, blah, blah. Here's my question. Mm, especially you Phil. In your yeah. truth in living society. It's Phil, is, Phil is just trying to be, come across as Mr. Righteous over here. Phil, you're forgetting. I know you. I've known you for many years, Brian. You're sitting over here saying, no, you know, the woman has to because, you know, uh, what about? Get out of here, Phil. I know, I know how you really think. Tell us the truth, Phil. Tell us the truth, Phil. Did you DM Andrew Tate or not? <laughs> just, just, but just even on that, like something I find interesting when we look at these topics, right? It's just, there's so much to work through. Take any of these characters where we, we all have baggage in life. We all have it. One is where do you go to have that baggage where you can actually just unpack it and then someone's either going to reciprocate or they're going to take it and they're going to understand it or they're going to have some sort of experience or relative context where they can say, I'm here with you. I can ride with you through that. That's one thing. But two, I just, I think in, in all honesty, when we look at the scenario that generally is given in the context of this playwright, how can you pick a side? I have a theory that kind of goes along mm-hmm. to what you're saying. Daddy. Um, and it's, I don't hundred percent believe it, but every now and again, I see evidence to support it. So I believe that, uh, over, all, all of us as individuals, over time, we've uh, over the time that we've developed our view of the world and our view of people, there's certain qualities that we find attractive in people. So, for example, if someone mm-hmm. is funny, if that's something that's really huge to you, you can be drawn to a person who's funny. And of course, I'm using very, very overarching generic descriptors, but I mean, we could get even like really, really deep into each particular quality or attribute that someone has that is attractive to you. And my theory is the same qualities that attract us to friends are very often the same qualities that attract us to a romantic partner. The only difference is the the romantic element of attraction. 
So I think it's very possible mm-hmm. that if, if we were to look back at the people that we had romantic relationships with and the people that are friends, they are very similar. The only difference is that sometimes unexplainable feeling of attraction. Maybe it's because of their physical appearance or maybe it's because of uh, whatever chemistry comes mm-hmm. up. And I think that it is very possible for someone to jump in between the two groups of friend and romantic because they're the same people. The only difference is, mm-hmm. was I sexually attracted to them or not? And if that sexual attraction can grow or can be developed, it's so easy for someone to hop from one to the other. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's realistic to say that that person is just my friend, especially when we talk about close friends. I'm not talking about acquaintances that you knew in school or whatever. Someone who's your friend that you keep close around you, the, the, the qualities and attributes that they have that make you want to be around them are attractive to you. You like them. That's why they're your friend. You like that they do this or they say mm-hmm. this or they're funny or they keep it real or whatever it is that you find attractive to you. And those same qualities are what you would, that are the same thing that would attract you to a romantic partner over and above sexual attraction. So I think the lines. I feel like it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I don't know, maybe guys, because, okay, we can talk like, uh, for example, Madonna whole complex, right? Which is ascribed to, you know, some men do this. They, you can be friends with um, women, but you categorize them differently. There's the wifey material, and then there's the girls that you play around with, mm-hmm. right? Those, I don't think it's um, a perfect intersection mm-hmm. of, of the two. Do you know what I mean? I think even girls or women, and also speaking in very heteronormative terms here, but I think sometimes we'd be like, oh, no, that guy's my friend, but I would never date mm-hmm. him because X, Y, Z. So I don't know. I'm just questioning the basis of your theory there, but I do think that sometimes you can you can find like people who could possibly go from one group to the other. Would that, would that be a progress thing as well, though? Because like exactly me, that's what I was like, about to uh, go. We were speaking before at the beginning of this podcast, right? So it came here two thousand and four, going into five, maybe. So left Zimmer when I was twenty. And I'll be 20, I'll be 40, what, 20, 2024. And the reason I'm asking that, right, is this is actually a real situation. I'll give you a small one because it's environment. I think it plays a lot to do with it. I had a friend who came from Zim. We went to dinner. We went to this Japanese place and they served us the entrees. And when the entrees came out, it was this basic garnished leaves. And the dude was flipping us like, ah, Ah, and did you get my shisha? But it was it was so interesting then that you're at this high class restaurant. You know, you've been here for a while. I won't lie. When I first came here, there's a lot of things I looked at, like right, you can't be doing this. But you apply that to everything. You apply that to norms in terms of like boundaries, like we keep talking about. And I think the thing that's quite interesting for me is how progressive are the people around you or yourself, and where do those barriers of conflict then come in terms of when you're trying to advance your views or your evolution with the people you keep around you. That for me is probably the more interesting conversation when you look at it, because everything has to progress. Apply apply that thought to the characters we're talking about. I'm interested to see how it fits in. So, so yeah, is that, is that, is that a V versus TAF conversation? I think it's all of them. But I think if you, because what we've all left home, we've all been living overseas and we've all got to grow. We're not the same people. Take the V who had the instance with PJ to the V who you're seeing now. Like there's an evolution of a person there. There's a different 
is a different scope to when things like that happen, the freedoms, the liberties, the stance you can take, who you can engage, how you can express yourself. Mm. And that's the thing that I find interesting based on where you are. Spread that context, I'm basically saying, amongst life and all these other experiences and all that we've come from. That's where I think when you start seeing friends and people around you and in topics come up, that's where I see a lot of conflict. Because some people just can't progress or some people are not there yet. Because progress is it's an individual mm. journey. We can't all progress. At the, it's not linear. We can't all progress at the same time. So yeah. I don't know if that makes mm. sense, but that's what I, that's what I find interesting about like, tension and the people you have around mm. you and like just trying to resolve things and move. And well, anyway, when I approach the work and when I see the characters, I see a lot of that myself personally. So I think, yeah, it, it speaks to a broader cultural thing. And actually, I, I like the way you think, Ali, because ultimately, and I, I don't know if, if people take the time to think about this, but literally everything in the world, everything in society is made up. Literally everything in every country or every culture, every religion or tradition or whatever, someone at the top started something and said, this is it. And they spread their ideas and their ideas caught on, which is why, as you mentioned, what is considered uh, an entree or we don't even have consider entrees in Zimbabwe as a traditional meal is an entree in Japan. There's certain things you, you, you can't shout in, in public in Japan. You, you can do so in other, in, other, in, other, in other parts of the world. And because of that, even our societal norms, to the most part, what we, what we deem as acceptable behavior or how we deem an acceptable way to approach relationships is made up to a certain degree. But we've also started evolving as people where we're now trying to consider, okay, I might never agree with you, but if this offends you or this hurts you in a certain way, if I care about you, let's find some common ground. And that then bleeds into what like Christine was saying is the other thing that people uh, or that I think about a lot recently is romantic relationships in terms of human history have only really existed for the past 200 years. Before that, relationships were never about romance and love and attraction. They were about, they, they were about consolidation of, of wealth and agrarian society. It was like, okay, the reason why you pay Lobola is you're giving me labor and I'm, I'm compensating your family for being the conduit for giving us labor so that we can till the land, get more cows, etc, etc. The arranged marriages are commonplace around the world with that, for that exact same reason. Like marriages were about consolidation of wealth or strategic partnerships. And if we're now tied in a relationship, we're tied in blood, we, we now both have offspring the likelihood of me killing or betraying you is greatly reduced because i am now betraying my own blood like all this ah you know he makes my my he makes my my heart flutter and i i see fireworks and he holds me no but phil that's not true that was that's that's romance did exist but marriages also existed Mm -hmm. i think both existed and you can tell that from from general so, art and, okay, and let me and finish poetry. my point though Dan let me land like I can't even right, finish the sorry, point sorry, sorry. <laughs> so so but and that's the point which is I then we, we then go back to like and I mentioned earlier in the conversation that that's why affairs existed before is because marriages and romantic relationships almost were ex, were somewhat exclusive sometimes they, they, were, they were mutually inclusive but sometimes mostly were exclusive which is why people had extramarital affairs. It's not a new thing. And I think as a society, we are all struggling to deal with, A, like everything we've just been told, like even like as Africans, 
you are, you now have Aurora, then you still have a white wedding where you're now merging two cultures. And it's this weird hodgepodge of we're trying to maintain mm. our, our African cultural identity and, and what that means in the modern age. But it's been bastardized because we've got hundreds of years of colonialism and brainwashing that have warped our view in that instance as well. Uh, because like on the surface, it why why do you need two weddings like like even just within that concept like it makes very little sense, but it's something that that we and very we, expensive we yeah exactly remember so, remember when I was asking so, remember when I was asking you living in in your truth or society's truth comes yeah. even like little things like that like in terms of what is the norm that society expects or what is the norm that you would push. Because even like that wedding is a perfect example. Like what you just said, what what are you serving here? Like in terms of just what you're trying to be true to. So, but please, Phil, continue. Yeah, I, I, and um, I think I think you, you hit it on the head. I think just outside of the, the private affairs in general and and the writing, but just culturally, I think we, we're all trying to figure that out. And the other thing is like evolutionary, um, we're you guys will also speak about mental health. I, I We speak about mental health in our podcast. Even that is an evolution because like on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, because now all the basic needs are, are now being met, we now have more cognitive bandwidth to start thinking about different things because now we're not just worried about, yo, next meal, next food. I need ch- children because the reason you'd have children before was because the, the labor. Now society still expects you to have children and, as a society, that's why birth rates are dropping. People are asking themselves, but wait, why are we having kids now? Because the whole dynamic around having children and the need for children has changed because now it's, because when you stop and you think about it, like on a, on a like psychological level, having a child is almost a very selfish act because it, it it's, it's obviously there's the, 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 the ways our brains are wired. It's almost like we want to have it, but, and, um, our sexual reproductive organs affect our moods and so forth so that we reproduce. But the, the world is very well populated now. We <laughs> Healthcare, like when you, when you stop and you think about it, there, there really is no reason outside of your own self-fulfillment or self-identity to have children. It's not like a child is in, the, in your subconscious begging, yo, I'm stuck in you, please give birth to me so I can <laughs> come into the world. Yeah. I mean, like to to the point about the declining, uh, declining, yo, declining uh, fertility. It came on a body time. It came on a body time. Yeah, um, yeah. In writing this script, I I did do quite a lot of research on on this topic, and uh, what I found interesting, you know, to your point of like, why should people like you know why should people have kids? Yes, ultimately, I think both decisions. Deciding to have kids is selfish. Deciding not to have kids is selfish. But it also presents an issue in terms of like the demographics of a lot of countries facing an aging population and not having enough young people to replace those people um, and to, to, you know, to keep the economies propped up and stuff like that. So it's going to be an interesting problem for governments to solve. So governments are very interested in people continuing to have children. Um, which I thought was interesting, but I think without like a proper social structure to support people to actually, um, you know, address some of the difficulties of having kids, like the economics of having children now, I think in the U.S. it costs like $250,000 to raise a child to the age of 19. 
um, it becomes very difficult. And then also, people have other wants and desires now. Yeah. Career mm-hmm. or whatever it is, or you just want a soft life. I, you know? I was going to say that <laughs> that's, parenting is yeah, hard. that's probably more important to the average person. The, the average person doesn't think, hmm, I wonder what the global fertility rates are for me to decide whether I should have a kid <laughs> or not. They obviously don't think that. I mean, that's just yeah. us analyzing society. The average person thinks, what do I want? And I think it's interesting going back to Tonde when he said, what will I tell my parents? So now there was this, what mm. you mentioned Gadkai, about society's norms of the pressure of, wait, do you want kids or mm. are your parents expecting you to have kids? And that's why you want it. If your parents' pressure wasn't there, would you still want kids? Um, I think that's an interesting conversation. But I do want us to move to another storyline. Um, okay. Please. We, we did touch briefly on the mental health one, and I thought that was an interesting one for us to touch. Look at that, Phil. Huh? Mental health segment on a podcast. Mm. Eh? Anyway, um, mm. I think it was such a powerful depiction of anxiety. Um, I think it's it's sometimes hard to put across you know, uh, in conversation or to explain. But here's the situation where externally people might not see what the problem is. What's the problem? You've got a job, you've got a boyfriend, you've got, you know, your life seems to be going according to your plan, whatever you want. Meanwhile, here's V who's experiencing this, this uh, um, anxiety to the point of having a panic attack and having to be hospitalized and just how her mind worked. And I, I thought, uh, I don't know whatever research you must have done, but I think it, it was quite powerful the 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 way that was because we felt it we felt what was going on we felt the rinse repeat go to work every day and now my life is not moving ah and everyone else is like what's going on? what's the problem um and i think i think that that will go a long way in having people take a moment to be like or at least to understand their own situation and other people that they observe um so so yeah well done on 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 that kind of depiction. And oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, it's very dark. But yeah. <laughs> um season two is much darker say, I was, than season I was very, one. I was very uh worried or concerned initially about the darkness um of this season. But I think uh seeing what's coming through, I think a lot of people are finding value in that and opening up the conversation. And also shout out to you guys in terms of research. I was listening to uh, two broke timbos, you know, um, and the work that you guys were doing with uh, Dr. Nyarai. So, you know, rest in peace to her. Um, but yeah, I really think that you guys did a really great um, thing of bringing that to to light, especially for, you know, our community. So, yeah, thank you to you too. Mm, executive producer status. Can I ask a question, please? <clears throat> Excuse me. So I got a friend who, really good friend who, um, went through like uh, like panic attacks and the anxiety got pretty much to what um, the experiences in, in, in the show. And the thing I found interesting, challenging, should I say, was being a supporting um, member of the community them consistently. Have you guys had any experiences that you could share? Because I think it's quite important to try, you know, talk about some of these topics, but my father recently had some issues where like he went through depression, but it's not uncommon in Zim given situation. And as you can see, I'm a very open person because I think I've always said this, like vulnerability is the highest currency. If you can trade in vulnerability, you can, you can progress so much more. And for me, it's easy to talk about these things that are, they're not, they're not smeared in like shame. These are not things that like have a weight. And that's one thing I'll acknowledge where some people are not ready to talk about them because there's a weight 
just talking about these things, just struggling and dealing with it. However, when you guys have experienced this, have you, um, or could you share just uh, if you have been in a situation where you have someone who's experienced on that, what was your journey in supporting them? Because my biggest frustration was consistently showing up and consistently not making it about me, but focusing on them and trying to get them back into the light from the dark. That was really hard because there's no playbook. You're not, you're not given a set like, you know, right, run this play. This is how we automate it. Or this is how we pretty much get you to a point where this will be the outcome. So for me, it was a, was a, <clears throat> was a long journey, but <clears throat> I grew quite a lot in terms of understanding or in terms of taking it all away from me, but just playing a supporting role. Have you guys experienced anything like that? Or is there anything you could share for you? Like what that experience was like? Cause I do think there's, there's a strong element of that, which is not touched upon in terms of how you support that. I don't know if what I'm asking mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, Gary, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get it to be very vulnerable right now. It's a very, <laughs> very deep topic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think I think we touched on it. I think the um, I think most recently um, it was on Adele's podcast. Um, we we shared that. Um, I, well, I shared it actually. Well, I was talking about like the part of the reason why we started even like Mental Wellness Mondays was just that I remember um, like with the depression I was going through, and I knew I needed help, and I started getting up outside Zim, and then when I came back to Zim, and then I was trying to find a psychiatrist, and then my doctor was asking like all the, because the culture here is almost like, unless it's an urgent care or like an immediate response, unless you've actually had the breakdown, um, why, why are you actively trying to seek treatment? And so that's one of the reasons why. And, and then there was even like a shocking surprise. Like, wait, as a man, you actively want to do your mental health. Oh, wow. And then realizing that, wow, this is actually really beneficial. But it also touches on the, the conversation I actually wanted to have with Kiri, uh, with Christine because listening to that and going through that, I was like, the writing is really good. And I wanted to find out the writing process because that's ex- it's almost exactly what it's like. Like when you're dealing with a depressive episode, when you really are struggling, a lot of people don't even understand. Like you can present yourself as a functional, normal person. Like I can pitch up for work. I, mm-hmm. I, can, I can maintain a conversation to a certain degree your attention span does like drop down a little. Your patience does drop down a little. The smaller things start starting to affect you. Like before, maybe if you dropped a spoon, yeah, I just dropped a spoon. All of a sudden you drop a spoon. Then you, you, you find yourself like having a panic attack because you dropped a spoon. It's it's a weird thing, but I've definitely had to deal with that. I've definitely been dealing with that. I mean, I, I think I've kind of shared on the podcast that even like last year, a lot of it was, that and then the 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 ramifications of it because even though you're you're dealing with mental health issues it now starts affecting your physical health because having because having a panic attack that is a now a physiological reaction so that's now going to affect your cortisol levels it's going to affect you the way your your heart works it's going to affect your blood pressure and a lot of people don't even understand like i think i've joked about it before like about section 75 in zim for example there was a 6 month window i couldn't get meds and mm. I couldn't, when you then, your dog's like, no, don't worry. Okay, cool. Let me give you a prescription. Go fill that in South Africa. South Africa. Oh yeah. We're not honoring Zimbabwean prescriptions anymore. You need to get a South African. So now you, you've then got to go through the whole process of going to see a, a doctor, 
who's then going to have to refer you to a psychiatrist and then get the meds or the GP, if they're nice enough, will refer those. And then you start doing the maths in your head and you realize, okay, I'm, I'm somewhat okay. But in Zim, the majority of people who don't have these resources can't get this help. And then you deal with, with the other thing. Now, now going back, because of the society we've designed and you've got a whole generation who have nothing to live or to hope for. And they're just walking around as like depressed zombies. How, how are they being helped? So, of course, we're going to have a drug issue in the country. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I think let me, I'll, I don't know if I've answered your question. Um, but I also want to toss it to, to Christine to find out, like, what is the writing process? And, and how did you research that? Because I think you did an amazing job in trying to explain what it's like to be depressed. And when you're depressed, other people think that if you love someone enough, if you're supportive enough, you'll help them. But you really actually can't. It's a very personal thing. Like no matter how nice and how supportive and how there for that person you, you are or you want to be, sometimes it, 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 won't, it won't fix it because their brain is literally trying to kill them. So even if Luke was an amazing supportive boyfriend who was trying his best, and he, you could tell he was trying. Obviously, there were cultural differences, but in the story, he was trying. But ultimately, it's that person's um, cross to bear. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. Yeah, 100%. Um, so yeah, so on the point of uh, supporting someone, so on the after show, which dropped yesterday, we actually did invite on... Uh, Dr. Xavier Mulenga, he's a psychiatrist based in Sydney, Australia. He's Zambian. And he did say that ultimately, well, first of all, he did recommend if you Google mental health first aid, you can get a lot of information on how best to support people who are going through a tough mental patch. Um, he also mentioned that it is, it's really up to the person to decide to come to the table. Ultimately, he said, um, if I can recall, he said, remember, you're not the counselor because sometimes when you try to support someone and you can become overinvested and both of you can actually start sinking because it can be quite frustrating. And I think we saw that with Luke, like he was trying to really help V, but he ended up just getting, you know, tapping out of it because, and, you know, he was also being subjected to some level of um, verbal abuse from from her as she was going through her decline. Um, so yeah, so it can be very tricky when you're supporting someone. Um, in terms of the writing process, so my process is quite organic in terms of like how the storylines usually come to me. Um, what I try to do though is to base the emotions that the characters are going through in something that is real. So it's either something that I, I've experienced experienced a version of that in my life, or I do a lot of research and try to understand people who've gone through those experiences and infuse those emotions into the the story. So yeah, so I always say like I I think that the story resonates with people because it is based in emotional truth. Like it's not just um like, yeah, it's not like I'm just writing for, I don't know how to explain it. Like on a surface level, like, yeah, I don't know how else to explain it. It's, it's But I, I, I try saying. to, yeah, just like, you know, use my own experiences 
have a, a, a deep exercise in empathy for other people and put that into the script. I, I like what Gary said earlier, by the way. Yeah. Gary mentioned earlier, um, because there's, there's two perspectives here. There's the one of V who's actually going through it, which is a whole other story. Mm. And then there's the one of Luke who's supporting Luke and, and the rest of the supporting cast who, who mm. are, who are trying to support or help someone in that uh, situation. And I think, I think that's a, it's, it's also a very valid question about, uh, Gary mentioned, like it's sometimes it's easy to make yourself the center of it or your experience or your thought, you know, that I'm, I'm struggling here trying to help you. It's like, well, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you may be, but your struggle is nothing compared to the person who's actually going through it. And sometimes it does take like almost a monumental, you know, effort of will to be like, no, I need to stop thinking about how I'm affected. So I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking of a situation where I had to support someone who was going through uh, um, a similar situation. And the temptation was very easy to, to go, can you not see what you're doing is affecting me? Mm. And like, yo, mm. they, it's, they're not doing, you know what I mean? It's happening to them. Mm. Take, stop, try to take yourself out of this. Stop making it about you or what you're experiencing. Yeah. You're here to help. I think that's a, that's a powerful statement that you made, Gary, about about that kind of situation. Um, yeah. But it makes it interesting, right, just on that in terms of, like I said, thank you all for sharing because, like I said, why I enjoy these podcasts and the movement, what you guys are doing is, like I told Christine, I fell in love with this because um, choosing to be part of this is based on the fact that it's touching on things that should have been conversations ages ago. Like these things are not things that really should have taken wokeness or this and that and blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's just human nature. <laughs> just looking after each other or just being there or just trying to be supportive. So now I appreciate like all of your thoughts and your sharing. And I definitely will check that out, Christine, the, the mental health um, website that you mentioned before. Yeah. F- final. Yeah. Okay, but it's, a, but Dan, to your point, even, uh, you know, for the person who is supporting those feelings are still very real, yeah. right? Like it, it does feel like you've been attacked sometimes. So I think that's what uh, Dr. Xavier was trying to caution against is like, okay, uh, the question I asked him is like, how can you help someone, but also protect your own peace? Because it can, both of you can end up in a, in a very bad spiral. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I am not a mental health professional, <laughs> so I would definitely recommend people to, yeah, tap into uh, the resources that are mentioned uh, in those situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was going to move us on to the final one that I wanted to speak about, but I guess uh, everyone else can have things. That I wanted to speak about the V and Luke storyline that we pivots nice into that and not about the mental health situation, but to put it bluntly, a black African girl dating a privileged white man. Um, sounds like the dream. Uh, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I really like the nuance of, I mean, yeah. Okay. First of all, she didn't know that he was rich. So it's not a case of, "Mm, I'm going to find myself a ticket, a meal ticket or something. When she found out it actually kind of horrified. This is back in season one. Right. Uh, And we saw a little bit of how that played out, but now here's a situation where they're, first of all, they're having this discussion about her pivoting from her career because not only is it contributing to a fragile mental state, but she's not happy where she is. She 
you know she's she's worried about what the future holds she's worried about what the what her whole life mm. story is going to be and for him it's a simple solution well just do something you love and you know now there's this this very nuanced discussion of yeah of course everyone would love to do, just do something they love but you can't just do that and you know Phil and I were making fun of these dude bro podcasts so it's like no but what people don't realize is you need to you need to you need to just take that step you need to take that leap you know what i'm saying because if you don't have faith in yourself, who's going to have faith in you? If you don't believe in you, who's going to believe in you? You need to high risk, high reward, baby. And I mean, I, uh, all of that is true, I guess, but it's not realistic to everyone. Right. Mm, and it's, yeah. it's easy when you're in a place of privilege or in a place where you have a safety net. I don't understand. Why would you just choose to be miserable for the rest of your life? <clears throat> isn't it worth it? Even if it doesn't come out the way you planned, isn't it worth it to take that leap? But it's, it's not easy to make that. I thought that was an interesting discussion there. No. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah it's not mm. easy, especially when you lay on top of that black like tax and all the other responsibilities that you, you're not just working for yourself a lot of times. Yeah, I, think- this, I do, I do have a strong and not to interject, but I do have a strong view where I'm actually of the opinion. We don't respect and love each other enough in these cases, mm. because for me, um, doing something that you ultimately love. It's not just the financial benefit, but it's you will become a better person. Like the reason why I like to have a small circle of friends and I always try to influence or should I say part with them something that I think is great um, from the core of being a person is I can't change the world, but I can influence my circle and my circle of people that they can influence and we can all progress in some way, some in some way, shape or form. So I, I do encourage because I hear it all the time. And for me, it's more procrastination than, which is still an excuse, a terrible one as well. But the whole, um, oh, it's hard, it's this, it's that. Nothing's, nothing's ever easy, fam. Like generally, nothing is ever easy. So my view on that is you, we need to start being more selfish about our own self-preservation and doing more of those things because they reward the community and the society in so many better ways. Look at private affairs and the conversation we're having now. Look at the podcast you guys are doing. Look at the influence this has. Not only easy on any of you, but you've pursued it. And look where we are today. Mm. I think uh, on the balance of things, all right, I think it is good advice to say pursue what you love, do what you love. It is. And I would also say a lot of the times the things that hold us back are fear and excuses. I, I, I mm. do agree with those sentiments. I agree. Yeah. But the level, the mm. level of risk or the level of, or, or, or the height of the cliff you're jumping from is different for different people. Mm. I would encourage everyone to jump in general. But I can't, someone who's going to jump, but there's a safety net or someone who's going to jump, but it's, uh, you know, it's just a couple of meters and someone who has to jump from way up there, that it's, it's a staggering difference. And while it's, while it's probably on the balance of things, good advice for almost everyone to just take the leap, do what you love. Don't just do something that you're forced into by society. That is good advice, but it, I, I do think it's worth considering the nuance of, Hey, yes. Okay. Let me, let me, let me give a, a, a an example here. So, um, um, this is this is a, a a topic of conversation I've had in my mind for a long while. 
there are people, there's people I know that have air quotes taken the leap. I'm not going to work just in a dead end job all my life. And I'm going to pursue things that I love. And at the moment, because they haven't achieved what they're trying to achieve or they haven't reached the stage they want to reach, they're a burden on the people around them. Mm-hmm. Because they need a place to crash. They need help with this. They need, I, I know people like that. And when I look at that, I think, I don't want to be that. But I might have to go through mm-hmm. that to get to where I want to go. And I don't know, like, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people who, if they were to take the leap, it's fine. Mom and dad will take care of me. Or at least I've got a place to live. Or, yeah. you know what I mean? So I think, like, the level yeah. the level of risk. Pari yeah, Yeah. And ultimately, Gadi, you're right. You can't go your whole life being miserable. Like, <laughs> you, you got pres- to choose yourself at some point. But the, re- yeah. the reality but of that also- is different for everyone. Go ahead, Kristen. Yeah, the reality is different. But I also think sometimes, you know, to your point about like what we're being fed by the media sometimes is like, go pursue your passion. Whatever happened to making calculated risks? Mm. I'm a big fan of making calculated risks and taking small steps, um, building a bridge instead of just leaping blindly. Mm. So I think sometimes we miss that part as well. Um, and I think even that keeps people from pursuing their what they want to do because they're thinking of the ultimate destination, where it's like, just start where you are with what you have um, and go from there. At least that's what I think mm. anyway. I think the good things about that, <laughs> my own experience outside of private affairs, right, is so, what, two thousand. 18, registered a business, um, started a cannabis company. What do I know about cannabis? Nothing. Have I ever run a business? Isn't no. that true? But Gary? it wasn't anchored. You know nothing. Yeah, I do. Like bro. nothing. I, I mean. I like what you did there. But my point being is to, the, to, to, to what we're talking about is I agree with you guys in terms of one, the calculated risk is I, I'm a nonlinear thinking person because people are always going to give you objections, why you can't do it, why people have failed and why it's difficult. Of course, that's a given. But then there's all this land of potential. That's what I always look at. I'm like, do you guys, are you missing the potential that's here? Are you missing the opportunity? But given what you were saying, as I think you got to anchor yourself also on the fact that I think why things like this succeed and also um, with what Christina is doing, for me, I can't speak for you. A financial remuneration and satisfaction is great, but I, I don't think it's the sole anchor to what you're measuring your scales of progress on it can't be because like you said before danny like as soon as you start thinking the whole burden the whole this the whole that i always say keep it simple do one thing more today than you did yesterday Mm -hmm. progress takes time it takes time that's all progress is it's a measurement of output based on activity and time and the issue is i don't think one people are active enough i don't think people are clear on what that journey is going to be but they're anchored on the outcome which is Ah, oh, you know, Jay-Z is a billionaire because he started a drink company. No, bro, like you're not Jay-Z and, you know, drinks just don't work that way. So I agree 100% with you guys and take small steps, but start, just start. That's, that's, that's the most important piece. Just start. You don't know what tomorrow has to bring. I, I think this, this also pivots into the discussion of, I, I saw some conversation about, like, what is V complaining about? You found yourself a rich man. What's the problem? move. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that we've also spoken about on the podcast before that 
that works for some people. Some people are happy with an almost transactional relationship. And other people, you know, want, you know, the more ethereal things like love and, and compatibility, et cetera. <laughs> I, I'm curious to hear what you guys think or what your, what your thought process was, uh, V, when you were thinking of that relationship of, here's this rich white man, trust fund baby, V is set for life. I mean, he's actually saying like, relax, see your dreams. I'll pay for everything. What was yeah. your thought process in how to, how to put that across? Yeah. Well, first of all, Christine speaking, let me be in V's situation, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I will put my hand up. <laughs> you give me money to relax, pursue my dreams, bam. Don't need to ask me twice. Um, yeah, but I think money brings up a lot of things in people. I'm very interested in our relationship to money mm. and how that manifests within relationships. You know what I mean? Mm. So mm-hmm. I think um, I, I had a situation or I've had both situations uh, in, in terms of being the more privileged person in a relationship. No, flex on us. Inverse. Come on, flex on us. Keeps. You know what I'm saying? Mm. <laughs> 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 no, no, but I've I've had both um, experiences, so that's where it kind of comes mm. from. Um, which is why, like, I have great empathy for for Luke in his situation because it's like, you know, you have this person who's telling you, "Oh, you know, of course I can't do that because hey, gg, whatever." Like, you know, you're so privileged, whatever. And as the privileged person, you feel like you can't say anything back. You know, and you also start to feel like, okay, should I feel guilty for having this privilege? You know, it's very complex. But then being on the other side of it, you know, I can also empathize with with that whole situation of having a big difference in class. And you're looking at this person like you have no idea your resilience or your struggles in life do not even come close to mine. Mm. You know, so we try to rank each other's struggles. And yeah, I just. I just think it's interesting. And I think that's the point of uh, the podcast really yeah. is to... The real lesson is help. feel sorry for the rich white man. Yeah. That's, that's the real lesson of Brian <laughs> Fez. You need to empathize. I mean, exactly. For, for far takeaway. too long, for far too long, rich white men have been painted as the villains. And it's, it has to Yeah, I mean, they are just un- misunderstood. <laughs> that's the real issue here. Rich white men are misunderstood and you guys just don't get it. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, but yeah, I just, I just want us to, you know, people who listen to the podcast, I just want us to be able to, to think about things. I don't have solutions. Mm. I just prefer problems. <laughs> I have a question, because uh, Christine, this is context to something you and I were speaking about. So I'm intrigued at the success of this because it's so from just flexing for a second and being like, yeah, that's me. I'm that's me for a second. Um, Christine was sharing this moment where. Uh, like an audience member was saying, hey, um, can't believe what just happened at the end of the scene. I nearly dropped my um, my shopping in in like um, in like Walmart. And I just thought, wow, there's someone who's listening to your voice in a Walmart. And I asked Christine, I'm like, hey, where where are you seeing this? And she mentioned places like Estonia, South Korea, like Russia. Fam, I'm like, who is listening to us in Estonia? So the question I wanted to ask was, is it just data you see, Christine, or with the feedback you get based on what I was saying before about where we are and the culture that influences, um, you know, our immediate or the environment and the culture that influences immediately 
do you see certain comments from places where like, eh, okay, um, those viewpoints are quite interesting or like strong. Do, do, do you get feedback from places where there's like really strong feedback, which is leaning to extremely conservative or progressive or, or is it just more so that data was tracking to where um, the show was doing basically? Yeah. So it, it was more about like uh, listenership numbers um, in terms of like the verbatim feedback I get. Um, it's hard to know where people are from, <laughs> you know, they, unless I like specifically go to their profile and like try to figure out where in the world they are. Yeah. Not all good. Can I ask um, Danny and Phil just a quick question? Because we spoke about PJ before. Mm. When you encountered the PJ scene, um, which was quite exciting and fun to do. And I need to give a shout out to um, my partner in the scene because they were so encouraging and they made it so easy to work in that moment and in that element because it's it's hard to do that, especially if you, well, actually it's hard and easy because if you're not that person, what's kind of the ceiling for you to be a dick? And, you know, like, it's so we're just exploring anything's possible. We all know a PJ though. I know I do. And I know when I had my situation with a PJ thing, I confronted it and it wasn't, it was not a great situation. What did that, you know, like, um, what did that spur up for you guys when you listened to that scene? Like, what was that like for you, um, Dan and Phil, uh, the PJ scene? Mm. So I think, oh, yeah, to, to give listeners context, I, I think the, the PJ scene was the flashback scene. Um, going, going back to high school when someone's a little too aggressive um, and, and, and then pretty much a douche, um, abandoning a woman at the side of the road. Um, after not getting uh, what he wanted. Um, yeah, I think we all have. Um, I think also, I think we've discussed it on the podcast before, like culturally, even though we viewed our, or personally, let me speak for myself, I view myself as a good guy. There were times where I was like, you know what? There was times I was a little too aggressive there. You know what I mean? Because it's, the the mentality is always, or the thought process or the rhetoric was just be persistent. Um, and then when as you get older, you realize actually, no. Um, so, so now, now as an adult, it's now, if there's no like firm consent, I'm like, I'm not wasting my time. Like you did the ask, it's okay. It's okay. Um, but to go back to what you said, like we all do know them, um, as I've tried to become a better person and learn more and understand more, I try and whittle those down. Um, but sometimes you might even have a PJ and not know that they're a PJ because sometimes people aren't, aren't going to say that because maybe they know what they're doing is wrong. Um, maybe they know what, what they're doing is is unacceptable and they're not going to share that. I mean, we're having another discussion. It's like, there's there's a guy on Twitter, I won't name him, but he, the the discount Andrew Tate. There are a lot of, inf, inf, there are a lot of influential people, not only in Zimbabwe, but in Southern Africa, who agree with what he says. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people, and the discussion we were having, we were like, oh, this guy has such a massive following. His words resonates. How come he doesn't have any brand deals? But we know that the brand managers agree with him. But the brand managers agree with him. But they also know, I can't publicly co-sign this because of the, the blowback. And I think it, it, it goes back to the PJ thing. It's, it's hard, especially as, as men, because you do want to hold other people accountable. You do want to try and protect women. Um, but sometimes you don't know. And on the flip side, from what I've seen, sometimes women also then feel guilty because they feel they played some part. Maybe I led him on. Maybe I gave him the impression. Um, and then they won't share. So I think it was, it was, it was addressed really well. Um, 
but it, it's such a difficult and nuanced topic. All we can do is just try and be supportive to women and then try and call out men whenever we can. But there's so much that happens um, below the surface that we will never know. Um, and I think that's the importance of like telling stories and, and having writers because the best writers are the people that can either draw from personal experience and then share those stories. And then people start realizing, wait a minute, I'm not the only person that dealt with this. Other people have dealt with it. And then people start having conversations. Because uh, before that, uh, everything then just becomes like these silos of, of information that are, that are walled up with shame and guilt as opposed to realizing that um, there's a shared lived experience. Yeah. I, I think on that as well. So I get a little bit frustrated sometimes with um, people being disingenuous. Um, people act like yeah. they act like, oh, 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 I, I can never understand what they're and like, okay, dude, let's be real. You also went to high school. If you are not a PJ, you know, PJs, you know, when brah, can you imagine I took her out and then she didn't want, so I just left her there. I mean, mm. you know, and then, and then because, because we know, we know it's wrong. Mm. Everyone knows it's wrong. And because we want to distance ourselves as far as possible from what society views as very wrong, um, we are we are we are we're almost we are more concerned about painting ourselves as ah that's disgusting. And yes, it is disgusting. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to make it seem like mm. I think it's not or whatever. But I do think that a lot of men uh, they fall in the the camp that Phil described earlier of people who who view like oh no women must be put in their place, and that's like a whole other disgusting. A conversation or they're 100% in the other direction. It's like, man, that's just so horrible. I can't believe someone would do it. Yes, you can believe someone would do that because you know people that have done that or you did that when you were in school or, you know what I mean? So it's, it's sometimes this conversation seems mm. to get very disingenuous. People are not speaking really what their thoughts are. They're speaking about how do I make sure I say the right thing so that other people don't mm. think I'm that person. And once you're in that space, it becomes so difficult to have a real conversation about this because the reality is yeah. And, and, and I think for many men, that yeah. was the first time they ever experienced, many men that would have listened to this podcast, that's the first time they ever would have experienced what the situation was mm. from the perspective of the woman. Yeah. That listen, it's the middle of the night. You guys were out. You had a good time. You had some drinks. And then, I mean, he's expecting that this is going to lead to something. And she's like, oh, I'm not mm. comfortable going that far. And then now I think it's you- just get out of my car, leave me alone. There's anger that comes out of it. And something we've spoken about on the podcast before is, the the aggressive reaction of rejected men. Yeah, it's I a spoke, problem. I, 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 yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, I told a story on the podcast of when I went I, I went out in uh, in Cape Town with my wife and her friends. So I was the only guy, and here's a bunch of girls. And some guy comes up, and he's trying to hit on the girls, and she's clearly very uncomfortable. Uh, and you know, on the one hand, I'm not here to block everyone who may have interest, but it's clear that she's uncomfortable. So I step up, and I'm like, "Hey, can you like relax?" And to him, he's yeah, like. Yeah. What do you mean? I'm just talking. And then she also backs up like, yeah, no, I'm not interested. And mm. his switch from, hey, baby, how are you doing? You're looking good. His switch from, ah, 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 it was like, it was yeah. almost a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, that's such a common response. Yeah. Yeah. So quickly goes to footy footy. Quickly goes to footy footy. You're like, come on. So, dude, mm. come on. Mm. I, I think we can't have a real conversation about it because right. there are men that do believe that, listen, you led me on. We can't now have that conversation because every man is going to be like, oh, that's disgusting. That's a- yes, it is disgusting. But hang on. This guy felt like he was led on. Was he or was he not? 
Mm. In my opinion, he wasn't in the in the in the in the in the scene that came up in the podcast. There was no leading on. Yes, it was two people that had a good time. She just feels uncomfortable. He he has a different level or a different idea of where it must go. Mm. So you would hope you would hope that a man can understand that. Listen, I was hoping that this could progress further, but it's clear that you're not comfortable. Maybe we can revisit another time or maybe next time we hang out, we can go further. Or, you know, now we're having a, a conversation about what did the man expect? What did the woman expect? Did the man think that, oh, because she's uh, accepted a ride from me, then it means she might be interested. Meanwhile, the woman didn't think that. We can't even have that conversation because everyone is so is so polarized. polarized. That's disgusting. Women, women think that they can get things for free. We can't even have a, a, a proper discussion. And the, the the other thing that I was going to mention is um, we're describing teenagers. Mm. Yes. They're also, yes. they're also not fully developed. Yeah. They're also not. So I don't know if I'm very quick to label someone a villain or maybe label someone as, listen, you guys are just young and a bit stupid. So. Well, I think, yeah, I think that the age... Well, we know villains, you know. Uh, okay, let me let me try <laughs> and organize my thoughts because a lot has been said. I think, um, in terms of the age thing, I think we also have to think about how we educate people about sex, sexuality, and boundaries, mm. um, and consent. Consent is a huge thing uh, that I think about, and you know the the fact that consent can be withdrawn at any time. Mm. Um, so it's really about checking in with your partner um, to, you know, to see if everyone's comfortable with what's happening. Um, there was also in that particular situation, alcohol involved, teen drinking, right? So there are a lot of things and who knows what other traumas uh, that PJ has. Maybe it was not even traumas. It's just like society and um you know, the rhetoric of like boys will be boys or like maybe if we, you know, think about the U.S. locker room talk, mm. right? Certain people uh, say those those types of things, right? So it, it's a lot of factors that layer onto each other in terms of how we end up with a PJ situation. And then also then how it carries on because it's not just, obviously, it's not just high school carries on, even work. I've had work situations where someone uh kissed me on the cheek and i was very uncomfortable on the fa- face cheek but yes okay. on my face mm. i was That's, not I was about to be comfortable mm. <laughs> with that um but i didn't report it you know and that was also another mm. thing with that pj scene um is the underreportedness yeah. of these incidents um yeah. Yeah. It's very complicated. I think we'd have mm. to do a whole other segment <laughs> just to uh, unpack that scene. Yeah, so a lot happened in season 2. <laughs> I think um from the twisted mind of Christine. <laughs> uh, is it twisted? Uh, it's I don't know. very 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 um, twisted no, object. <laughs> uh, excellent writing. Yeah. That was great writing. Like um did you, yeah. did you, when you, because I mean, I speak to you quite a lot, but just the question I've been <laughs> ticking back and forth is when you, when you do this, is there, I guess the answer is probably not, is how do you, 
do you take it bit by bit, basically? Because the, like the story arc, like, do you have, because you're talking about, you know, backstory, but do you have a destination where like, how many seasons like, okay, I'm going to stop it like there. And I'm not asking you to spill any beans, but when you come to approaching it, because you spoke about backstory and like context, is there something where you work towards building or is your writing just, nope, we're just going to roll with what comes and I'm just creating and we'll see how we roll. Because I find creatives exceptional because you have to be that character and you've got to think in context. And I've had the privilege of being in the studio with you when, you know, not all of us are there and you've done the lines and it's just like, well, you don't need us. You could just do all the voices by yourself. So I think it's it's quite fascinating the way your mind works. How does mm-hmm. uh, How does that work for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely do need you guys <laughs> to do the voices. Um, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'll just flag. I'll I'll do this last question, and then can we wrap up? Just because you know, I'm old. Yeah. And no, we are ready. We are ready. Twenty five to ten. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, writing. No, I have no idea uh, where it's going. I just I'm just following the process. I write up to what I can see, basically. It's like driving through a fog. You can only see a few meters ahead of you and you just write um, mm. until you get to mm. a good stopping place. Yeah. It's amazing how you guys do that as the characters. Like it just, it just still blows my mind. Like, so shout out to you, man. That's, that's just amazing. And as a final question, we would like you to explain every single episode one by one. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no i think we, we we definitely might actually have to schedule another one uh because th- this was a great conversation it's just that ah sorry you know i've got another meeting and there's a big game yeah, yeah in, in an hour so you, you know okay. who do you support before you before you go in your big game who do you support you better say arsenal well i'm arsenal so i'm hope i'm supporting liverpool today like? you see Oh, you can see you, you can see who I am. Like so you know you Come on, man. Let's go. Come on, man. When you walk. Come on, let's go. Through there a storm. Go. There we go. <laughs> Danny, I, I, I do hope I do hope you guys do it because from the beginning, like you can ask anyone who knows me. I've I've been calling Arsenal to win this season and people look at me like I was crazy from the beginning. And I said, guys, Liverpool and Man you have really done this for like the past five years. You you get tired, like seriously. And I, I would hope Arsenal can do it because I love what you guys have been building. Like when you guys signed Jesus, I was like, ha, this puzzle's nearly complete. So I hope you do it, my Thank dude. you, my man. Much appreciated. All right. Thank, thank you so much. So I think also for those that are unaware, or rather are unaware, there's so many syllables. Unaware. Uh, Gary, are you, are you on the socials? And if so, where can people find you? And then obviously, uh, Christine, if people can, well, if people want to follow you, where can they find you? And where can they find the podcast? You will find me at Garakai05 on Instagram. But in terms of work, I'm not, I'm really not doing anything except working with Christine at the moment. I'm working on my uh, being a dad, being present, loving life, and just being mentally fine, getting physically mm-hmm. fit again. But um, yeah, we'll see where we go after enjoying this journey with Christine. I'm not that active at the yeah. moment. So yeah, but if you want to talk to me, you'll find me on Instagram when I really look at it. Very nice. <laughs> it's like, basically, I was not going anywhere. That's what he said. It's like, don't look for me. Do you know what I know? Me, I got children, bro. I'm active in the field, bro. Me, I'm active right now. Leave me alone is what he says. <laughs> and, and Christine? Hey, and you, Christine? Yeah. Uh, in terms of the podcast, Private Affairs, you can find it on um, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any podcast player, really. 
if you want to follow the podcast, it's at Private Affairs Pod on Instagram and Facebook and at Private Affairs P on Twitter. Wait, definitely. All right. Thank you guys so much. This was a great conversation, man. This is actually good. We might even make, you know, yeah, we'll make it its own, its own standalone episode. You know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Could, I think I just, I just want to thank you guys because I enjoyed the fact that the experience was, I don't know where the conversation was going. You never know, which is great, but it was really great to have this conversation on the broad topics we covered. Like it was, it was great. So thank you for sharing. Really enjoyed being part of this. Yeah, thank you very much for coming no, on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Very nice. Thanks so much for inviting that us onto the podcast and thank you for listening um, and your great ad reads. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you no, in season three, Christine. Like on, a scale, on a scale of one to ten, how, how, how would you rate those ad reads? <laughs> Uh, 9.5 uh, You need to just Tweak the Australian accent <laughs> Just a little bit And then I think you got it No I, I'm not trying I'm not trying I'm, try- I'm not trying to be accurate I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be it, it, It's gotta be It's gotta be like Over the top Because it's yes. to, You know what I mean For the comical effect but Sorry yeah, Christine uh, But we, we, we did mention it and, and we were very honest Like um, Dad and I Are lucky enough And we have the luxury even though we would obviously love more sponsors, but we also have the privilege of rejecting a lot of sponsors because we won't talk or won't push brands that don't align with us. And from the jump, private affairs has always been something. This is amazing because we are part of the culture, because we, we care about podcasts. And because we want Australian visas at some point. We felt like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and of course... <laughs> and of course, we we want we want we want to make sure that the, the stories are shared. We were more than happy to take you guys on. I mean, uh, yeah. So it's 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 far beyond just like a, a transaction. It's definitely something that we enjoy. Like if it wasn't for the ads, we'd still listen to this. Um, oh. and, and, and yeah. Thank you. I think I think that's the best copy actually. Yeah, you feel feel free to use it. Feel free to use it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much for coming on. Enjoy your Australian evening. Christine is going to bed, but <laughs> Gary's clearly got plans. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I'm, 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 we're going to hand you the title. That's what we've got to do. We're going to hand you yeah. the thank title. Thank you, sir. We've got work to do. <laughs> thank you, sir. All right, thank you very much. Don't forget that's our conversation with Christine and Gary. This project has been assisted by the Australian government through the Australian Council for the Arts. It's arts funding and advisory body. (laughs) And Taff is not that guy. I'm that guy. Okay. Did you do that yeah at the end? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) 